I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all the love I have won or have lost, there is one love I should never have crossed. She was a girl in a million, my friend. I should have known she would win in the end. I'm a loser, and I love someone who's near to me. I'm a loser, and I'm not what I appear to be. Although I laugh and I act like a clown, beneath this mask I am wearing a frown. Are falling like rain from the sky. Is it for her or myself that I cry? I'm a loser, and I love someone who's near to me. I'm a loser, and I'm not what I appear to be. Such a fate I realize I have left it too late And so it's true Pride comes before a fall I'm telling you So that you won't lose all I'm a loser And I love someone who's near to me I'm a loser And I'm not what I appear to be guest this week is uh, Joe Matt and uh, I'm guessing this interview uh, hopefully will possibly go over longer um, so if it does we will have the second part available online at inkstuds.com alright am uh, I allowed to swear you are allowed to cuss maybe <laughs> I'll say now uh, listener discretion be advised alright um, when Chester was here he uh, came in studio and apparently he showed me a note where he was told not to swear on radio who <laughs> gave him that note Chet never swears yeah I know that's oh. the the irony. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think it was uh, Dean Q. Oh. Probably uh, Peggy or one Sorry, of those Sorry, I didn't people. mean to, inter- to cut into your introduction. Oh, you know what? That's as fancy as I get. <laughs> That's it. We're pretty freewheeling here. Is it now started? It's, yeah. Yeah. Have you begun? Yeah. yeah. Well, um. we're, we're started. Okay. Um, those that... We, we've been yattering on for about five minutes now about uh, scarves and hats and uh, John Stamos. Um, so, Joe, uh, I was looking. Originally, we were supposed to do this interview a couple weeks ago, and I was going to be like, all oh, right, perfect. It's 20 years since the first uh, Peep Show strip, and then we postponed. So it's 20 years in a month now. Wow. I, was, I didn't realize this, but I was prepping for the interview. Uh, November 26, 1987 is the uh, earliest dated one here. In the uh, Peep Show collection, the uh, let's see, the today's Thanksgiving one. I don't know which what, what that's about, but yeah, yeah. I kind of think I started in like 
September of 87, but I'm not really sure. But uh, whatever that first page I did, I did a few strips before that in a sketchbook that um, preceded it. Like I was doing, the, I was filling a sketchbook with kind of autobiographical strips for about a year before I decided to like try to do a finished page that was page one of the cartoon diary book. But I, I drew myself in a, in a variety of styles, trying to like more realistic or more. More like in a crumb vein. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, had you graduated from art school? Yeah, I graduated like um, uh, about two, almost two years prior to that, and I was just, um, you know, just loafing, <laughs> just doing nothing except working one night a week at a comic shop, unloading the books for like fifty bucks a week, and um, which is actually pretty good for a comic store. Yeah, it was, it was just one night a week. You know, I'd unload the truck and repack the books for other stores because we were, we were kind of a distributor. And then um, I made 200 bucks a month doing that. And my, my rent at the time was $200 back in 87. Um, I just had to, I shared a, a two-bedroom apartment. So my, I was basically paying my rent and I didn't have any money left over for food or books. But that, that money just came along. It was just, um, there were always odd jobs that I could do. Like like coloring for Matt Wagner when he was doing uh, Mage. That's something uh, some people asked me to ask uh, you is uh, about your coloring stuff. What was it that you colored, and how did you get into doing coloring? It, it was all because I was friends with Matt Wagner in college, and um, when he was wrapping up Mage, he hired me to like because we were hanging out all the time anyway, and um, you know it, it was just a lot of fun just hanging out. So I would. He just started hiring me to cut frisket for him, and then I began airbrushing backgrounds and then um, painting figures. So I, did, I think I did a lot on Mage, the last issue of Mage, maybe the last two, two issues, I'm not sure. And then after that, I started calling Grendel, um, you know, the, the full issues, I think when the, uh, God, it's all blur. <laughs> I don't know, when the Panda Brothers started, or, no, not the Panda Brothers. Bernie? Uh, n- yeah, Bernie was flat color and then I did full color on uh, Snyder and Geldof that came after him oh okay and uh, and I did that for like 12 issues or something and and then I did Batman Grendel and then I stopped because it was too much work from what I gather the Batman Grendel pretty much sucked you dry it was no Batman Grendel was fun I mean I, I actually flew to Matt's house in San Jose and lived there for about two months and again I just hung out with him every day you know talking in the studio and listening to music and working hard um, he was always a hard worker. You know, mm-hmm. he always like got up in the morning, went right to the studio, and, and did a full day's work. And um, you know, some, something I never, you know, probably that's probably the last time I actually had a work ethic. <laughs> but you know, I, I it, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, I, I hung out, I worked hard, and then you know, then it sat on DC shelves for about a year until I actually got some money. But then when I got the money, I, you know, I, I invested it all and. And it continues to grow to this day. Interest okay. accruing. Yeah, interest is accruing. Mm-hmm. I, I bought all mutual funds with it, and then, and then, like in '99, they they did great. The funds all went high, and then, and then after 9/11, everything plummeted, and blah blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> the world Bush sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Bush for everything. Yeah, that administration. Somehow they they sucked the value out of all my mutual funds and redirected it to their own pockets. Was I this can't all prove it. was this all hand 
hand done color? Yeah, this is all frisky cutting and then airbrushing and then painting with acrylic and watercolors. So you never got into the computer coloring? Never. Never. Still have it. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I mean, I feel like that's the best. That's the best thing about computers. You know, the way the way Dan Claus and Chris Ware color with them. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. I, I I wish you know I would be doing that if I was more prolific or hardworking. You know, if I if I actually had books I wanted to appear like in that kind of color, then I would. But I'm, I'm a big fan of black and white anyway. So I'm, I'm a fan of like. Um, you know, like mouse and crumbs work. I don't need to see that stuff in color. So it's, it's not like I'm dying to use color anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, we'd want to see mouse in color. Yeah. It just wouldn't, wouldn't be the same. Now, um, what was it that made you want to do an autobio strip? Because uh, reading the, uh, the first Peep Show collection, it seems like you kind of struggled with what you were going to do as a comic. And what was it that said, okay, I want to be a comic creator? I, I sort of wanted to give a cohesion to what I was kind of planning would be my life's work, you know, like like somebody starting it, 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 nothing went the way I planned I mean, I didn't, I really wasn't I've, I've, I really thought I was going to be prolific I didn't, I didn't really expect to be uh, I, I don't know I, I, anything I say just starts, sounds, it sounds like excuses um, but but I, I I wanted a cohesion to my, to my life's body of work right from the beginning. Like I feel like it had to be sort of planned. Um, you know whether whether if you're starting a strip like Peanuts or just starting to do you know a bunch of short stories like like Kim Deitch, his work has a, you know a lot of his work has a cohesion to it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole world in itself. Yeah. Um, you know all the all the classic strips have a you know the fact that they never abandon their main characters even. Even Chester Brown, you know, when he began at the Happy Clown, he talked about like that was going to be his character that he was going to that he was planning to use for his whole life, <laughs> you know. And so I, I guess that's kind of the tendency, a natural tendency, when you're starting out in your you know your early twenties or mid twenties, and um, you know, so so it just seemed like autobiography, you know, autobiography would sustain me. Like there would always be something to write about. And and Chrome was you know my Chrome was and still is my my, my favorite so um, you know his influence his influence with with P. Carr and and Spiegelman you know that that pretty much uh, you know I didn't really even I wasn't even, I didn't even have to think about it I mean it was it was totally natural for me to to go into that genre. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done a I don't remember seeing a strip by you that that wasn't autobiographical. No, I, I've. I can't even conceive of writing. Um, I, I always say this. I don't. I don't think of myself as like capable of writing fiction at all. Like, I don't know what I'd write. I have no idea. I, I think. I think of something like children's books is kind of appealing, or uh, or even like Jim Woodring's Frank. Something mm-hmm. like that appeals to me. Like in a kind otherworldly. Of, yeah, otherworldly and kind of bizarre, and more, more like an exercise to like to practice your craft of cartooning and storytelling rather than what's actually going on. You know, like, um, I, I don't know. Does that, does that sound kind of vague? I don't, I don't know. But but the point of doing something fictional like that to me would be um, more for the joy of... Um, the joy of the craft instead of... Uh, yeah, the, the joy of, like, drawing uh, weird, odd things that don't really exist and trying to create that world, a world that doesn't exist, like like Frank with those, uh, with those objects or Crazy Cat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know. I wonder about Jim that 
maybe these things do exist. To him, yeah. they do. In his mind, yes. It's, uh, you know, a lot of... I don't of know. I, I, I certainly do. When I doodle, I doodle odd things a lot, you know? I doodle, like... Like, right now, I'm, I'm looking at a doodle. I'm sitting on my floor looking at a doodle I just did last night, and it's kind of like a lion wearing a fez. <laughs> and he's got a body that's kind of like Alice the Goon in Popeye. <laughs> and there's, like, a weird building in the background with an antenna. And it's it's just... it's just And he's sleepy-eyed. And he's, he's like a lion with, like, kind of long hippie hair. Like, it was fun to draw. It's just... It's what I doodled. And, uh, you know, if I was to write something fictional, I would just, like, send this line into a coffee shop and, you know, have him order coffee and have him sit down. And, like, it would still sort of be autobiographical anyway. It would just be... It would still be informed by my... my, my, my the reality of my life. So, I don't know. My, my approach has always been to kind of just not, uh, you know, like, my my philosophy's always been that everybody's doing autobiography, but just kind of, you know, <laughs> covering it up to various degrees, and well, I've always, you know, wanted to try to not obscure it, like, you know, minimize the, the the obscuring of it. The thing about autobiography comics that, that's different, um, as far as, like, genre of telling your own story, is it's so obvious that it's autobiographical, because, I mean, there you are as a character, where you, like, take someone like Bukowski, who does these books about him, but he changed his name. Yeah, and it's it's quote unquote fiction, but it's not. It's Bukowski going getting drunk and you know yeah. playing the horses and stuff. And I guess that's what it is about auto about autobio comics. Is it's, it's you know really a lot of fiction is autobio, but it's not so blatantly obvious as comics. Sure. Well, with autobiographical comics, you have nothing to hide behind. Yeah. Well, I, I think everybody did, everybody does have something to hide behind. It just it just depends on how much effort you want to put into hiding like um uh i don't know, like like just say Clyde fans by seth i mean that that old man in his alone in his apartment talking to himself is you know that we're both you know the two brothers they're they're very much parts of seth mm-hmm. you know and they're living in, in environments that are very much like his apartment and you know they collect the same things he collects and um that's kind of like balancing different parts of himself, and yeah, and, and same with like Woody Allen, you know, all his, you know, all his characters just seem to be, you know, variations of what he's probably like in real life. But but then everything, everything is like a a construction, a, a you know, everything is intentional anyway. Um, well, I'm babbling. <laughs> that's okay. That's the point of the Instead yeah. show is we get to like kind of chat and get into more of the. Uh, Discussion stuff instead of like my preset yeah. standard questions. But, but everything, everything in the comics is a construction. So you're not really getting, you're not getting real autobiography, autobiography ever. You're not really getting like the unvarnished truth. You're always getting an edit, edited version. You know, you're also getting, you're always getting what the what the author intends to give you, and nothing mm-hmm. more. Mm. You know, it's still everything's everything's. I mean, it's a paradox. I mean, everything is everything is autobiographical, but every but everything's also fictional at the same time. Well, it's like uh, when, like for example, when Colin does an autobio stuff comic, and I know the story there. It's like he has a different viewpoint than I would have of that same situation. Yeah. And there you go. It's different stories. Uh, it's it, all subjective. It's yeah. All and, subjective. Yeah. And anything you know, there's the stories are infinite. Like what you choose to tell, what what you choose to focus your you know your your story on what events those are but just by choosing those things you're edit you're editing your life and um you know you're choosing those things for for certain reasons you know mm. it's it's uh i don't know 
Well, I, it's, it seems to me, though, but doing autobiographical, it is riskier than fictionalizing things because, I mean, but in Peep Show, by issue six, you are writing in your comic about relationships with people that were uh, ruined by how you depicted them in issue five. Yeah. But, 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 but even though you don't have the whole story, there, you know, it wasn't completely ruined. And, uh, and I'm still friends with, you know, that couple have since broken up, and I'm, I'm still friends with the guy. And, and things were never like they really look like anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, for starters, that Andy character was never bald. He had a huge head of dreadlocks. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it was really... Um, even with that girl, that girl... Uh, um, Kim in, in The Poor Bastard. I was fictionalizing, you know, like saying she had a big butt. And, uh, you know, I was I was trying to fictionalize, but um, it, it, it wasn't much, it wasn't that far from the truth. But, but you know, she never had a big butt. In, in, in reality, she had like, uh, you know, her breasts were bigger than I would have cared for. So I was, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's such old work anyway. I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's, it's, just feels silly. We're still going to ask the questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, you brought up J- Woody Allen. Um, was he a big influence for yourself of wanting to do the autobio stuff? Because, he, like, from what I understand, he's, for you, like, one of your favorite directors. He, he, not, not directly. Um, I, w- I was in, living in Philadelphia um, when I started, um, and I was hanging around Matt Wagner, and I was exposed to, like, like I could see how Matt, how Matt Wagner's, you know, his... his creation of Mage and Grendel, you know, I could see how those evolved from his taste in mainstream comics. Um, you know, Frank Miller's Dark Knight and The Watchmen and mm-hmm. uh, even stuff before that. Um, you know, Miller's Daredevil. Um, and, but also, you know, with Mage, his interest in King Arthur and uh, and Grendel, his interest in manga and stuff. So I could see where his influences kind of directed him. And But my, my influences and my, my tastes were different. I like Crumb and Mouse. Um, and you know, so so my I, I just looked at my taste and just you know kind of let them lead lead me to where I went. But I really, I, I, even though I had already loved and seen some Woody Allen films, I didn't really embrace Woody Allen until I met Seth. And then you know, Seth had all the you know everything by Woody um, Woody Allen on on video. So Seth lent me everything, and and we just dis- discussed these films endlessly, and and I watched them you know over and over again, and. So it was really like in the early '90s where I, you know, started obsessing about Woody Allen, and then and then his scandal broke. Soon, <laughs> 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 like all the, you know, it just it just seemed to, it was just like all downhill after that. It just it was just it just seemed so sad. I actually but, liked uh, some of his m- more recent stuff. Yeah, well, the uh, celebrity was after the scandal. And I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, or Kenneth Branagh plays Woody Allen. Sure. These, these things leave, they leave really big impressions on me. Like, I've only seen, seen Celebrity once, and, you know, the thing that really sticks with me is Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh when he's, I think he's at, like, a reunion or something, and he's talking about how quickly he got old, and, like, how he was, like, just 25, and he blinked his eyes, and he was suddenly 45, and, like, I mean, I totally relate to that, um, you know, that kind of, like, he got, he just kind of got old too fast, and he's still chasing after Winona Ryder's character. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's still shallow and into the models, and it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a good film. I mean, there's there's something of worth in everything he does. But um, you know, I definitely have my favorites like Zelig, 
and uh, Zelig and Annie Hall in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think those three remain my favorites. I haven't actually watched Zelig, but I've watched Zelig Annie Hall in Manhattan. Zelig is great. It rules. It rules. Then the Purple Rose of Cairo. It's you know, it's practically flawless. Now he does. What was the one turning? Ah, I'm not going to go into it. The, one of the British ones really bored the hell out of me that was supposed to be excellent. Oh, yeah, Matchpoint? Not, was it Matchpoint? Was that the... It was the one where that was kind of like Crimes and Misdemeanors with, with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Was that the mystery one? Oh, no, that, oh, that other one's horrible. Yeah, the one that came after that with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, They're both but, pretty horrible. Yeah, but she's great in it. She's beautiful. Yeah. She's got like... Uh, oh, I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I, think she's, I think she's wearing some wet clothing in that next movie. I don't think anyone complained. Scoop, that's what it was called. Yeah, Scoop. I enjoyed Scoop. Matchpoint was the one that really bothered me. Really? Uh, Scoop was the worst. Oh, yeah? Oh, it was fun. Uh, I was just happy to see the guy from from, uh, Deadwood. No, I'm just happy to look at her lips. (laughs) Oh, Scarlet. I could live with Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, um, Peep Show, um, do the autobio stuff. Uh, moving up to Montreal, was that a big uh, influence, the change in scenery and like how you're doing your comics? Um, I guess it's we're, we're talking so we're talking <laughs> 20 years ago, 19 yeah. years ago. It's it's so far back. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I like with everything. I, even though I only have four books out, you know, the four collections. Yeah. But um, it, with each one, I've always like visualized. You know the collection at the beginning, and and that, you know that that's the only thing that pulled me forward and kept me going. Um, you know to complete something. Yeah. So like even with that, even the first book, the Cartoon Diary, which I did in Montreal when I was living with Trish, I would do like a page a week whenever I did work, and um, you know I was, it was always just to get it, get them collected. So wherever I was, I would have been writing about whatever I was going through, it, mm-hmm. but I just happened to be living there.
Let me uh, kind of turn then, kind of approach the things because you, you, you go, you got the four books. Were you trying to go f- like, um, you know, I guess Peep Show's kind of li- the early stuff, kind of working out your chops as bi- as a cartoonist with the three books? Were you trying to go for something different with each book? Sure, um, and, and I varied the approach with each book. Um, even even the the you know the poor bastard has a six panel grid, and Fairweather has. It has a like a three tiered like I stick with well sometimes I do long longer horizontal panels and sometimes mm-hmm. I do these large square panels but mostly I stagger the the panels so the so the gutters aren't like a straight grid um, and then with spent I just stuck with an eight panel grid and with my next book I'm I'm still de- trying to determine uh, what kind of grid I, if any I want to work on it's but. Go for the Chester land of no grid at all. Chester's Chester's new book that he's doing now on prostitution. He's he's doing an eight panel grid. Oh, okay. Which which I didn't spend, so I'm not likely to reuse it. But I really like it. I just mean for a period he did like panel it. Or oh yeah, he did. Panels. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Crazy. <laughs> I, I like panels. I like I like. Uh, Chris Ware and I were discussing this once, and uh, we were both like, yes. You, but like we we both admit to being like retentive this way because Chris Ware was like, "Yes, you must contain it, contain the image at all costs." <laughs> like like you can't even bear like any kind of open, you know, even a, a word balloon being open or something. Well, he's the the king of the paneling. Yeah. Now, one thing I read, uh, especially in reference to spent, uh, was the influence of mouse on your storytelling techniques. Um. Well, uh, mouse. The whole paneling and stuff. Yeah, mouse. Mouse. Whenever there's a present day scene in Mouse, he has an eight panel grid, and um, and I really, you know, I've always found those impossible. Like 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 the you know like Nancy the comic strip. Uh, like it, it, you've read it before, you even you know you couldn't stop yourself from reading it if you saw it. Um, it was it was always really inviting to me those 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 scenes of Mouse, and um, and he drew them at one hundred percent, so there was no reduction in the artwork, and that's really what I was going for when I started spent. Um, the pages, the pages were the size of like the original artwork was the size of like a regular comic book, and I didn't plan on shrinking them down. But once I shrunk them down, like uh, like everything it spent is shot at eighty five percent of the original, and it, it looked better just to tighten up the artwork a little and shrink it down. But uh, but that wasn't my int- my intention was to reproduce it at one hundred percent, and um, and then that may be my intention for the next book as well. Um, I, I, I'll continue to, to draw small, um, but yeah, I, I just find working 
smaller is it's it's somehow easy. it's 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 more appealing to kind of letter like the size of lettering that you're the size that you're comfortable lettering at really for me determines how large the artwork should be because I, I don't want to letter gigantic panels of narration if they're really large you know mm-hmm. it's, it's just unpleasant you got to make it an enjoyable experience yeah which i <laughs> <laughs> now and what I guess kind of you're talking about you, your new collection, and I'm kind of curious about that because, or your new store. Is it going to be a, a one-shot graphic novel, or yeah, gonna... it it I'm intending it to just be like a a graphic novel that will just come out in a few years or something, and not not put out put it out as issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm uncomfortable even talking about it since it's I haven't really I've just been making notes um, and I haven't really started the uh, the actual artwork I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm putting it off because because I feel like once I start I won't stop you know like like an exercise program or something mm-hmm. like I just I'm, I'm dreading it kind of but but I'm also preparing so I'm you know yeah well it's I, I guess I find it fascinating because you're kind of going through a transitional period right now yeah um, reading your blog yeah, the, the MySpace blog is you kind of like refocus things from, um, I guess, spent the the years of spent, and kind of focused, I guess, uh, not so much on the um, on the porn, yeah, um, and more onto like meditation and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I'm 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 in my bedroom right now. I'm sitting on the floor with like, a, you know, a couple of books on meditation and Buddhism sitting here next to me th- that I was reading just last night till like eight in the morning. And also sitting next to me is a DVD burner, which I just bought. I haven't even taken it out of the box, but my, you know, I've agonized over this decision whether or not I should start transferring all my porn, all my edited porn tapes onto DVD because, you know, the tapes will, the tapes will and are deteriorating. And, you know, in addition to that, my, my VCR, you know, the one I had just broke and, you know, it just started eating tapes. You know, so so it will. It, it's already like you know destroyed just like a few minutes of one of my tapes. So I'm not, I don't want to buy another VCR. But now I'm like, you know, I have like over a thousand hours of stuff that I. It's going to take forever to start transferring it over to DVD. And if I do that, if I start dubbing, burning onto DVD, then I'll be, I'll be editing again. You know, I'll I'll be eliminating some of the older crappy scenes just because the quality sucks. But. You know, part of me just doesn't want to do this at all. I mean, part of me, like, like I said, I haven't even taken the burner out of the box. I'm, I'm agonizing over whether or not I should just return it. But if I return it, then I'm really making the huge decision of like throwing out all my tapes. And I know, I know what it's like. I mean, when I moved out here, I didn't bring my tapes with me. I lived out here in LA for like the first four months, maybe maybe five months without without a TV or VCR or my tapes. You know, and I, it's it's. You know, I just wasn't ready, you know. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready now to make this move. But um, it's it's like it's it's a bit it's it's extreme. I mean, even Buddhism preaches like, uh, you know, taking a middle road. Mm-hmm. But um, but this, but this behavior of compulsive masturbation, it's and you know, it's it's still, it's not conducive to. You know, it's it, it's seeking sensual pleasure. You know, um, it's it's just not conducive towards. You know, the goal of enlightenment or happiness or anything—it's—it's—it's it's, it's feeding into a cycle of suffering and, you know, addiction and craving and all that. And 
Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of the the idea. Like reading uh, Spent, it seems like I mean, for those of people who don't know, it's Spent um, Joe's for fourth collection. Uh, the fourth issue, I guess, three and a half, four years between the third and fourth issue. Yeah, and it seems like when that came out, that was kind of like you. You know, you had to finish the story, but it was a different person finishing the story. We're kind of yeah. looked back and went like, "Yeah," and I and I finished that like almost two years ago now. And I've, you know, you know, you you you, you mentioned, um, you know, I did start my comics about twenty years ago, and you know, just even last night, I mean, for hours, I've I've, I've been agonizing, thinking like, "All right, I really did spend, I really did spend the last twenty years of my life um, consuming and and." and you know, consuming pornography and just giving into this this compulsion wholeheartedly, and you know, twenty years later, you know, thousands and thousands of orgasms later, <laughs> thousands and thousands of hours spent doing this activity. You know, it it hasn't brought me. It's it's it doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring. You know, it it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. But, well. I'm babbling. That's okay. <laughs> but my point is, like, it's 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 no it's no coincidence that this is in my life and that I'm I'm you know usually I don't have a relationship going and when I do, you know, they don't really last and they're kind of problematic and or or the porn's problematic. It's I don't know. It's all very complicated. You know, nothing's ever cut and dry. I can't. Nothing ever is. Yeah, nothing's ever that simple. You know, like I I can't I can't decide if I should like try to. If I can moderate this behavior, or if I need to be extreme about it, you yeah. know, and eliminate it, if you know, I've tried embracing it, and uh, you know, when the more I've embraced this habit, the more I've, uh, you know, I don't tire of it. It's, it's not like, you know, it's not like smoking a million cigarettes or something, and then you you never want to smoke again. I, I've, the more I indulge this, the more I want to indulge it. You know. Is this what sparked your interest in Buddhism? And uh, my, I, my interest in Buddhism just, uh, you know, I was, I was, I kind of gravitated towards it uh, about a year and a half ago, just because I was so emotionally upset over the last girlfriend dumping me, and then out of the blue, you know, I got invited to go to this retreat for ten days, and even then I wasn't prepared for the retreat. Um, but but after you know after that retreat I, I decided to keep reading more stuff about it and you know practicing meditation at my own pace at home and you know it it all it all seems to make perfect sense to me it all you know I don't have any problem with um, uh, it's it's not like Catholicism or it's not like any religion where you're you're asked to make some crazy leap of faith or anything mm. you know the the only leap of faith I'm I'm struggling with is like. Um, you know, do I do I do I believe my life? Well, do I, do I want to live my life without pornography? It's kind of like you know, do you want to? You may love animals, but are you going to become a vegetarian? You know, do you love them that much? Um, do you, do you do you care so much about the environment that you'll get rid of your car? Mm-hmm. You know, and and all, all these kind of things. Like how extreme how extreme does your behavior have to be? You know, and. Only you can answer these questions, but it's 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 always a uh, you know hard to pick and choose what what you're going to do. I'm wondering, um, just another cartoonist thing popping in my head is uh, Kim Deitch, um, kind of 
if you've talked to him or like kind of read I mean you, I know you're sure, a huge I, fan I, of his I, stuff he's great I and totally I love the guy I luckily I felt pretty blessed he sat and listened to my questions for about three hours in the spring and we really got into discussion of that whole monkey on the back mm-hmm. and like how addictions for him were, were a big issue yeah and I kind of like I don't know where I'm going at with this well, but he's, it's no, just he's, I, I do think of him a lot I mean he practices yoga he's he's a, he's a cartoonist that's you know managed to uh, you know as he, he as he even though he got older you know I mean we're, we all get older um mm-hmm. He could have easily just disappeared and faded away, but instead he like redoubled his efforts, and he's more productive than ever. He's been steadily productive. He's in my in my mind, he's always been like <laughs> like toiling away under Crumb's shadow, um, but doing a very different kind of work than Crumb. But um, but as far as like all those guys, anybody from the underground, there's there's really like just Crumb and Kim Deitch to me. Uh, Gilbert Shelton, you know, was great with those first few issues of the Freak Brothers, but. You know, after that, it's it's you know he just kind of disappeared. Just kind of turned into a same joke over and over again. Yeah, and and um, and Spiegelman, you know, he's like you know he was very young. He did come out of the underground, but he was like just a kid then. Yeah. But like these are the, these three guys are like they're it for me in terms of you know that generation. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, Kim Kim Deitch, I, I do worship him. He 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 has. You know, struggled with his demons. He has, you know, risen above them. And he's quite honest about it too, which I, I found incredibly fascinating. It's just the whole we really went pretty in depth with stuff. Yeah, and it's um, do, do, so you get a lot from what Kim has done and what Kim has written, I guess. Yeah, of course. I, I have everything he's done. I, I totally love him. Um, I, I have uh, have all his work, um, and and he's. You know, he's. I kind of aspire to be where he is, which is, you know, he's older. Um, he never got fat. <laughs> he never got fat. He worked. He he he's worked. You know, he works hard. He he married a woman like twenty years his junior. You know, um, and he's a pillar of the community. And and wait, 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 there's one other thing I was thinking. Wait, wait, oh, and he never had kids. You know, he just he 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 lived the life that he wanted to. It seems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's a good role model. That's all I gotta say. I feel like we've gotten to this like really deep conversation. Mm. Uh, I'm babbling. I feel like I'm babbling so much. I can't even. I'm, You're not babbling. Oh yes, I am. <laughs> Damn it. Um, okay, I'm just gonna refocus myself. Um, with uh, spent um, was one of the things that kept you from finishing it. Was just like not wanting to finish it. Um, it's, it's no. I didn't want to finish it. I um, you know, for the for uh, I don't know uh, for for two years. I mean, shortly after I moved out here, um, you know, I, I started a relationship with a with a young girl, and we went out for two years. And for those two years, I was so blissfully happy. I I kind of didn't want to ruin it by having to work in addition to it. I just wanted to like I wanted to live the dream of like. You know, this is exactly like I had money in the bank. I still have money, but you know, I was like, I didn't have to work. You know, um, you know, the m- money was not a motivation for producing the comics, and I just wanted to like enjoy this relationship and then fuck off the rest of the time. Yeah, and it was great. Like, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I, I felt like I'd been waiting my whole life to like to be this happy. And then when it all came crashing down, it, it you know, all every every bit of happiness I I paid for in in sorrow and pain, you know, in tears, and it was horrible. But you know, that's that's life. But um, I yeah, I just didn't I didn't want to work. I I, I um I want to work now. I I I always have wanted to work, but for like like the two years that was it was really just like a vacation from reality because. Uh, I d I don't know. I just I just had never uh it's, I just it was it was the the relationship I had was very unique. It was it was unlike all you know, unlike all the other relationships I had. And I, I just wanted to like focus all my energy there and mm-hmm. you know, looking back, it was all not the greatest of ideas, but what are you gonna do? Better to have loved and lost than not to love at all. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I could go back, though, I wouldn't. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would just skip it. So I, I can't say I, I adhere to that, you know. But it, it, this will all be in the next book. That whole relationship. Is it is it hard to write about? It's terribly hard to write about. It's hard to even think about. Um, but uh, yeah, I've done nothing but every day make notes about it. Like something else, I'll remember something else, or you know, I'll, I'll remember something I want to put in. You know, it it could be, you know, it could be as small an incident as like, you know, I remember, I remember walking with her once when uh, I, I we saw like what looked <laughs> in the gutter on the side of the road. It looked like like a dead kitten, like a little black dead kitten, wet, just like in the gutter of the road that must have been hit by a car. And I remember like shielding her from it, like she she saw it and she's like, "What's that?" And I was like, "It's just a, it's just a black rag or something." Like I, I totally like lied to her just to like protect her from mm-hmm. this horrible thing but but like that little thing like that memory you know popped into my head like last week and then I had to write it down which you know I hadn't even thought about it for like a, you know over a year or something do you keep a daily diary no I don't oh so all of this uh, is from memory yeah and but I I write, I make notes like I did this with spent too like like everything in that everything in that scene with Chester and Seth or, or anywhere, every every line it spent was kind of written down out of order. Like, like I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted Seth to make the joke, like uh, you know about the magnificent Ambersons missing scenes and comparing that to like, you know, some porn scenes that I had lost, or you know, like or or, or just like the woman, the waitress isn't impressed that we draw comics, and Seth says something like, "We might as well." be making sculpture out of our own snot <laughs> tissue like like everything in there was said but you know when I remember when you know I, I wrote these things down because I, I like them you know I like them and want to include them and mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff I couldn't include but um it, it's just the way I work I, I make a lot of notes and then I try to I try to fit them all in like in a where it feels natural and if I can't fit them in then I just I don't use them but um you know, as I would fit in each line, I would just cross it off from my no- out of my notebook. But I don't know. Is that how you approach you've approached all your collections or all your kind of storyline works? I, kind of. I I don't know. I uh, can't remember. Or is because uh, I'm curious. Like the poor bastard. Was that originally how you intended 
those six issues to be, or was it just I'm going to do a comic series in a certain point? And like, okay, it, yeah, it this is the story I'm on. I got to do something else. It was the latter. I mean, I was I felt like I was so young and energetic back then, and and not I wasn't that hesitant about putting something down. But now I am. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I, I realize I've, I, I realize like the power of manipulation uh, far greater than I did back then uh, in, in terms of manipulating the reader. Um, so, so like even even now I'm struggling with just how how much I want to exaggerate certain things for effect. Whereas back then I didn't really struggle. I, I just thought you know I just didn't care. I just. You know, as usual, like I, I have always wanted to just kind of make myself laugh as I'm working, um, and I put things in for my own amusement. But um, uh, I, I think if if, there, if I've had a consistent way of working, there is there's always been a, a a quality of making it up as I go along, but but not entirely. You know, I, I never like have a script that I follow. I just have like like I said, I just have like these little lines or scenes that I I know I wanted put in which I don't know like I, I I've heard like with Larry David when they shoot Kirby Enthusiasm you know I've heard that they have like a very loose script mm-hmm. and then they improvise most of it yeah and but they want to hit these certain notes and and I feel like I, I kind of adhere to that approach and the certain gags that need to yeah be there's apart. certain gags and lines that make it all worthwhile for me Still can see 
myself might never come home But just look at me Uh, that was Joe Matt uh, chatting about his comics. Yeah, Joe Matt. Joe Matt, uh, author of Peep Show. I hope you all love it. Um, you can catch part two of this interview on inkstuds.com. Sit beside the breakfast table Think about your troubles Pour yourself a cup of tea Then think about the bubbles You can take your teardrops And drop them in a teacup Take them down to the riverside And throw them over the side To be swept up by a current Then taken to the ocean To be eaten by some fishes Who were eaten by some fishes And swallowed by a whale Who grew so old He decomposed He died to the bottom of the ocean Now everybody knows That when a body decomposes The basic elements are given back to the ocean And the sea does what it ought to As soon as salty water Cause it tastes just like a teardrop so 